Turn to your neighbor and say, it's a wonderful life. It truly is. How many of you watched the movie this past Christmas? Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a classic. Um, I got to think it's uh, kind of the mainstay of Christmas um, when you when you think about movies, when you think about Hollywood, Jimmy Stewart plays George Bailey, uh, this guy that's kind of down down on life and convinced that his life doesn't matter. And uh, he ultimately ends up going to a bridge on the outskirts of town. He's intending to take his life, and that's where he meets his guardian angel, named Clarence. Clarence is kind of a misfit angel, kind of a second-class angel, uh, you might say. He hadn't got his wings yet. And he's given George as a project and kind of an opportunity for him to earn those wings if he's successful in saving George's life. And so in hopes of kind of changing his life, he takes George on a tour of what life would have been like had he never been born. And the climax in the movies near the end when George kind of comes to a realization after seeing what life would have been like without him that his life really does matter. And so he returns to the bridge thinking he no longer exists. And we're just going to watch a clip here. Just curious, how many have never seen the movie? No, just curious. Okay, you got, you got a project today. So, yeah. you know, it's a great movie. And despite the problems and the failures, he realizes that he truly does have a wonderful life. And the movie ends with Frank, with Frank Capra's kind of uh, style with the bell ringing on the Christmas tree and George is holding his daughter and she says, Look, Daddy, teacher says every time a bell rings, little trivia this morning, what's the next line? An angel gets its wings. Very good. <laughs> I always wished that the movie had had a part two. Now, there are lots of movies that had part twos that I wish they hadn't had, but this is one I wish that they had. Because I get the sense that George lived his life very differently in that he, he was changed. He realized the importance of living, the impact of one life on other people's lives. And I, I think that in light of his experience that he lived life a little fuller, I think he lived it with more grace, and I believe absolutely he lived it more strategically in, in his life. Have you ever wished you could start life over? If you knew then what you know now, and you could just go back and do it again. You know, I often sit across the table from someone that'll say, you know, I wish I could start over. I wish I could erase the past. If, if only I could have a, a start and it'd be fresh. And here's the problem. You can't rewind. And you can't erase the past. But guess what? You can start new. I think that's why every New Year's people get kind of excited because you get to start over again. People make resolutions to, to change, to quit a bad habit, to begin something new in their life. Uh, it's a chance to start a new journey, a better journey, 
to a better year. In fact, how many of you made resolutions? All right, I'm not going to ask you how many already broke them, but, uh, you know, we serve a God that specializes in fresh starts. Now, Psalms 145 says, God gives us a fresh start to those who are ready to quit. You ever feel like quitting? You ever feel like hanging it up? You ever feel like it just your life just doesn't matter? Well, if you've ever felt like that, you've come to the right place. Because I believe that God has a plan for us. And I believe the fact that you're here today, that's a great start to the new year. And today what I want to look at is how to have a wonderful life, how to have a year that's a breakthrough year so that someday you'll look back and go, you know, in 2008, I made some changes and God started using me in a significant way. You know, I think there's some things from God's word that regardless of what your background is or your past or your failures, that you have an opportunity to start new today. You know, one day Jesus was walking through the city of Jericho. There was a large crowd following him. There's this blind beggar that's sitting by this roadside by the name of Bartimaeus. And I don't think we can fully comprehend what it meant to be blind in that day. It meant you couldn't work. It obviously meant you couldn't read and write. You probably were fairly confined. I mean, they didn't have seeing eye dogs. They didn't have some of the support systems that exist today, the the accessibility. And basically, his life was reduced to begging for a living. Every day, Bartimaeus would get up, he would hit the streets, and he would beg to survive. I mean, I've got to think it was a pretty miserable existence. One day, Jesus walks by. Bartimaeus, I think he had the wheels going. You know what? This is my chance. I've got to go for it. This this is where I'm going to get a new start in my life, and I'm not going to miss this opportunity. Mark 10, verse 47 says, When Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout and scream. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. See, I I think one of the first steps to a wonderful life is you have to seize the moment. You know, Bartimaeus says, I'm not going to miss this opportunity. I'm going to jump. He he knows that Jesus is nearby, and he says, you know what? I'm not going to wait. I'm not going to procrastinate. I'm not going to wait for another day, another time. I'm going to take my chance. And he does. You know, the first step to doing whatever you're going to do is you've got to do it now. You've you got to take that step. Don't say, well, I, I'm going to do this uh, next step next year or next month or next week. It's now or never. You have to take the step. You know, when Bartimaeus, he left the house that day, I don't think he had any idea that he was going to run across the path of Jesus. You know, for, for Bartimaeus, it was an ordinary day. Same place, my guess is, he went to the same spot in the city every day. 
It was the same thing, the same begging, the same miserable, lonely, pitiful lifestyle of just begging people so that he could survive. He didn't have any time to prepare for Jesus. He didn't have a plan. He didn't have you know, it all documented out. Just an opportunity that falls in his lap in the middle of the city, and he seizes it. He seizes that moment. He heard Jesus coming. He seizes the opportunity, and he starts yelling. You know, so many times I've seen this kind of acted out, you know, and it's like, oh, Jesus, son of David. He didn't do that. He yelled, Jesus, son of David, pay attention. I'm over here. Have mercy on me. And friends, all around us, every day, we're given opportunities to start new. We get them all the time, and we don't take advantage. Now, why is that? Well, there's one word that always pops, and that's procrastination. Does that sound familiar to anyone? Procrastinate. I'll do it tomorrow. I love the the poem, you know, I spent a fortune on a trampoline, stationary bike, a rowing machine, complete with gadgets to read my pulse and gadgets to prove my progress results and others to show the miles I've charted, but they left up the gadget to get me started. (laughs) Now, does that sound familiar? (laughs) How many of you have workout stuff sitting in your basement, never gets used, you know? Procrastination's a strange one. For some reason, in our mind, we think that we're, we're going to make our lives easier if we put it off, that we won't have, we'll have less stress. And get this, we think it'll be easier down the road. And what I want to tell you is it just gets harder, and it creates stress in, in your life. And get this, most people know the right thing to do. And it gets even better. Not only do we know the right thing to do, most of us know all the benefits of doing it. So why don't we? Why don't we take that step? You know, we keep saying, someday. You know, one of these days. I'll get around to it. I'm aiming to, but we never do. And friends, the Bible warns over and over and over about presuming that you have tomorrow. You know, that the fact is, I am not guaranteed tomorrow, and neither are you. In other words, whatever you're going to do, you got to do it now. You know, Job 9 says, My days go quick, more quickly than a runner. They sprint away. The older I get, the more I believe that. They fly by. You know, Proverbs 27 says, Don't boast about tomorrow, for you don't know what a day will bring forth. You know, things change. You know, Psalms 90 says, Teach us to number our days and recognize how few they are. Help us to spend them as we should. And Ephesians, the fifth chapter, says, make the most of every opportunity. Every opportunity that you're given, make the most of it. In fact, I believe that God brought some of you here today just so he could say to you, quit making excuses. Get on with it. Start doing what you know is right. You know, give give me your life, God would say. And together we can start new. We can get a handle on it. This thing called life. You know, Luke 9 says, No procrastination, Jesus says. No backward looks. 
you can't put off God's kingdom until tomorrow. Seize the day. It's a message translation. I like that. Seize the day. What do you need to do that you've been procrastinating about? You know, what is it you need to do that you already know it's the right thing to do, it's what you should do, it'll, it'll make life better? Do it. Stop procrastinating. And one thing you have to do when you take that step is face your fears. You've got to face your fears. You know, Bartimaeus, I think, faced his fears. I think he faced some of the things that you and I face. He, he faced the fear of disapproval, uh, of rejection. See, he knew to shout at Jesus was risky. I think he knew that people were going to look down on him for doing that. But he was desperate. I mean, he was desperate. He knew that Jesus was the only person that could help him. And so what's he do? He shouts. You know, Mark 10 says, many of the people scolded him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted even more loudly, have mercy on me. Friends, if you're going to make a new start in your life, you've got to face your fears. You've got to stare them down. You can't let your fears control you. You know, fear, fear has this incredible ability to paralyze your potential, to keep you from jumping, to, to keep you from living with the faith that God would have you live with. But when you, when you face that choice, I mean, it truly is a choice between faith and fear. You've got to decide. If you choose fear in your life, it'll mess you up. I mean, it, it, it will mess with your mind. It, it'll make you skeptical. It'll make you reluctant. It'll make you afraid to take the step. What if? What if I do it and things aren't better? What if I do it and people laugh? The what ifs of life that just eat you alive. You know, fear, it'll make you not commit. It'll make you become very selfish in your life. You won't commit to other people. You won't commit to God. It makes you short-sighted. And get this, it makes you focus on the past instead of the future. That's what fear does to you. When, when Bartimaeus shouts out, everyone around him is, don't do that. Shh, be quiet. I know you're not supposed to shh people, but shh, be quiet. Don't make a scene. Jesus isn't interested in you. He has more important things to do. Come on, man, quit it. And friends, I believe the evil one whispers those same kind of things in our ear when we have an opportunity for, for faith. You know, God's not interested in you. He's not going to pay attention. Give me a break. You know, don't make a scene. Come on now, what are people going to think? You start acting kind of Christian-y. And, hmm? and say weird, by the way. Friends, those kind of thoughts keep you from jumping. They, they keep you from starting. They keep you from moving ahead when, when you see a need, you know, when you see an opportunity to change, when you need to be healed, when, when you need to take a step of faith. What happens is we hear all kinds of shouts from inside, from the people around us. Don't rock the boat. Shh. Don't do it. Come on. Why start? You'll quit anyway. 
Let me ask you this. What it, who is it that you worry most about receiving disapproval from? You know, whose disapproval do you fear the most? Fill in the blank. And whoever that is, I want to suggest to you that that's your God. You know why? Because they rule. They rule your life. See, peer pressure isn't just for kids. If we were all honest, we all, every one of us, me included, we face that pressure. We struggle with it. You know, we're talking about words like codependency. You know, and God warns over and over in his word about who it is we're trying to please. It's him. You know, Proverbs 29, 25 says the fear of human opinion disables you. It disables you. Trusting in God protects you from all that. Trusting in God. That's God's protection plan. He says, trust me. Trust me. I am convinced that we worry about what other people think so much. And if we only realized how little people think of you. Think about that. I mean, it's not that they think little of you, and that, like, little. But people do not think about you as much as you think they think about you. In fact, most of the time they're thinking about themselves. And so anytime we're looking to change, to take a faith step, what other people think, I'm suggesting doesn't matter. It's what God thinks. You have to face your fears. You know, when you face your fears, when you start trusting God, then you can change. You can take that step of faith. You can do things that you've never done before in your life, but you have to face your fears. And yeah, it's scary sometimes. Because in the moment, you have to decide, am I going to fall back on my fears and stay the way I am? Or am I going to trust God and move forward in faith and allow God to begin to help me? And that kind of segues into proclaim your faith. Proclaim your faith. You know, Mark 10, 51 says, Jesus asked him, he's talking to Bartimaeus, what do you want me to do for you? The blind man answered, teacher, I want to see. Bartimaeus says, I want to see. I want my sight. I want to be healed. Now, here, here's my question. Why in the world would Jesus ask that question? I mean, he's talking to a blind man. He knows that. Jesus, the creator of the universe that knows everything, he already knew the answer. He knew what that man was thinking in that moment. He knew that guy's problems. So why did Jesus ask, what would you like me to do for you? Why the question? I think he asked the question because he was trying to give Bartimaeus some strength. He was doing it for, for his benefit. You see, by asking the question, he gave Bartimaeus an opportunity to proclaim his faith. Bartimaeus says, I want you to heal me. Now, you do not ask someone to heal you unless you believe they can, unless you have the faith that they can heal you. And by saying, I want you to heal me, I believe Bartimaeus was saying, you know what? 
I believe you are who you say you are. I believe you have the power to change me. And I believe that you will heal me. It was a statement of faith. It was a public announcement. And here's the amazing thing. Jesus Christ asks you that same question every single day. Jesus says, every day, every morning when you get up, what do you want me to do for you today? What is it you want out of this day? You know, physically, you know, we could bring Jesus up here and one by one come up and he says, what do you want me to do? What would you answer? What would you answer today? See, God wants to use you. God wants to bless you. He wants to change you. He wants to do incredible things in your life. I believe things greater than than you can ever imagine. But friends, sometimes you just got to ask. You got to go public. You got to declare your goals. You got to declare your intentions. You got to declare what you want to change, you know, what you're going to do, what you're asking God to do. You got to clarify it and state it publicly. In other words, you need to tell a few people. I know how this goes. Some of you, you have some things you want to change, but you're not going to tell anybody. That way, if you don't accomplish it or you don't go for it, nobody will know, right? And I want to suggest to you a secret faith is a shallow faith. It doesn't have any legs. You know, if you're going to change, make an announcement. Not from the stage up here, probably. But find a few people and say, this is what I'm going to change. This is what I'm going to start. This is what I'm going to stop doing. This is what I'm asking God to do in my life. And do you know every time that you set a goal in your life, that's actually a statement of faith? You know, here's my goal. Here's my objective. This is what I want God to do. This is what I want God to change in my marriage, in my vocation, in my life, in the church. You're saying, I believe God can. Now, there's a little qualifier. I'm going to do this with my life. But you always have to add the little phrase, if it's God's will. And that's not like the escape clause. It's saying, I need to dovetail with what God wants. You know, I can sit up here and say, I want to be a multimillionaire or a billionaire. That may not be God's plan for my life. If it is, cool. <laughs> but... Uh, you know what I mean? But it needs to, it needs to line up. See, I don't know the future, neither do you. And I don't know what God has in store for you. But God does. You're not sovereign, God is. So you've got to keep that in mind. James says, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. Why go public? Well, I think there's several reasons. One is, the more people that know, the more people that can support you, encourage you, pray for you, help you. But you've got to go public. You've got to go public. And after you go public, you've got to be willing to accept God's grace. Bartimaeus proclaims his faith. I want to be healed. And then accepts God's grace. Matthew 10, verse 52 Jesus said to him, go your way, your faith has made you well, and immediately he regained his sight. See, here's what I know 
a lot of you brought a lot of hurts here today. For some of you, it took every bit of strength and energy that you have to make it here. For some of you, you're, you're shouldering conflict, some major pain, disappointment, grief. You know, some of you, you would say, you know what, I'm just lonely. And far too many, I think, look and say, you know what, if I feel like happiness is so far in the distance that I don't know that I'll ever experience it again. In other words, you're a lot like Bartimaeus, a lot of misery. And I know, I know how this goes. Some, some of you, you know, I'm fine, you know. You do this, I'm going to hide it thing, you know, put on the happy mask. But inside there's a lot of pain and a lot of junk. See, I'm just glad you're here because I believe Jesus wants to give you a new start today. And the emphasis is give. In other words, you don't earn it. You can't work for it. You can't buy it. You can't do a bunch of religious rituals to to get it. And get this, you certainly don't deserve it. Neither do I. You just receive it. God freely gives it. You, you, you want a fresh start? Let him give it to you today. Regardless of your past, regardless of what you've done in your life. You know, John 1, 16 says, For the fullness of his grace, we have received one blessing after another. You know, how do you, how do you receive those blessings? You know, how do you, how do you get your hands on them? It's faith, friends. It's a thing called faith. Paul writes, he says, that's why faith is the key. God's promise is given to us as a free gift. You, you've got to stand on that promise right there. God says, you know what? If you have faith, if you'll just let me give you that fresh start. And I know some of you are going, I want a fresh start. I, I want to be different. I, I want to change, but I just can't. You ever said that to yourself? You know what? You're absolutely right. You can't change by yourself. If you could, you would have already done it. Because you already know the benefits. You already know the, the pluses. You know what the right thing to do is. But friends, I want to suggest to you, the reason why you can't get there is because you're trying to do it yourself. You need a power that's bigger than you. You need a power that's greater than you. You need the power of God in your life. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do everything through Christ who strengthens me. That scripture right there is worth memorizing. It's worth downloading. It's worth committing to memory. I can do everything through Christ who strengthens me. See, if, you, if you've got that embedded in your brain and in your mind and in your heart, when you face challenges, you can draw from that. When you face conflict, I can do everything through Christ who strengthens me. When you're tempted, when you need to take a stand for something that no one else will stand up for, you know, when you make a resolution and you're finding it difficult to take a step, when you need a new start, I can do everything through Christ who strengthens me and it'll change. Things begin to click. Heard about a little boy. He was, 
his dad was talking to him, and he want, his dad said, I want you to go in the backyard and move that boulder in the back. So the little boy goes back, and he's pushing on the boulder, and it won't move. He starts pulling on the boulder, and it won't move. He gets a lever out and gets a little leverage with it and tries to move it. It won't move. He gets the dog, ties him up, and tries to pull it, and he can't move it. Kind of discouraged, he goes back to his dad, and he says, Dad, I can't do it. It's impossible. His dad said, did you try everything? Yes, son. Did you try everything to move that boulder? Yes, Dad. Son, absolutely. You tried everything you could think of to move that boulder. Dad, I told you I tried everything. His dad said, you didn't ask me to help you. And friends, some of you are in a situation in your life right now. You have tried all kinds of things. And you think it's impossible, I'm never going to change, it's never going to be different. But have you tried asking the creator of this universe? Have you tried asking God? Have you tried receiving God's grace? Have you tried letting God give you the power? See, you don't have to do it on your own. You don't. You absolutely don't. Bartimaeus was blind. But get this, he had the vision that he knew Jesus could help him. He knew that he needed God's grace. Have you figured that out yet? Have you figured out how much you need God's grace? Have you figured out that you need Jesus Christ in your life? That you need God's power to navigate through life? Or or do you think, like most, I can handle this on my own. And we wear it like a badge of honor. And to be honest, I just want to go dumb, 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 dumb. Spiritual blindness, friends, is far worse than physical blindness. You see, grace isn't just for salvation. It isn't just for the forgiveness of sins. It isn't just our our avenue to heaven. Grace is for the daily mistakes that we make. You know, if you don't have grace in your life, then you're going to get filled with something else called regret. And when you get filled with regret, you get stuck in the past. And if you get stuck in the past, do you know what? You'll carry regrets your whole life. And you'll never change. And what I want to say to you is God's grace is available You can start new. You have to seize the opportunity, which means you got to face your fears. You got to push through them. You got to take a step, even when you're frightened. And you got to proclaim your faith. You know, I need God. I need your help. I am going to change, and you've got to help me. And if you're willing to receive God's grace and allow Him to help you, you need one more thing. You ready for this? Hold on to your seats. Grab the kids. Do it. You just got to do it. What's the next step? You got to just take it. And let me say this. We all have different things we need to do. We're all in different places, at different points in our life. But you've got to take the step. Now, 
here's what I don't know. I do not know what your step is. But here's what I do know. Every single person here needs to take a step. For some, it's a vocational or career step. It means you've got to shift gears for whatever reasons. You've been putting it off, you just got to do it. For some, it's a relational step. You know, it's getting your marriage on track. It's addressing a, a broken friendship or a strained relationship with your kids or your parents. You know, for some, it's a financial step. I mean, you maybe you've got to get your financial house in order. You've got to set a budget and get this, stick to it. For some, it's set your priorities. You've got to get them straightened out. For some, it's a, a growth step, a personal growth step in your life because you, you need to address the anger or lust or envy or patience or you know, some bad habit that you need to, need to push to the side. You know, but it's something you know you need to change. For some of you, it's a faith step. You know, for some of you, you need to start with the very most important one, and that is accepting Christ as your Savior. For others, it's taking it up a notch and getting involved in ministry or a small group. You know, for some, it's sharing your, your faith with a friend. Uh, for some, it's taking the step of tithing and trusting God financially. But friends, I want to say something. If you're a Christian today, you never arrive. You never arrive. In fact, I believe so strongly on this. If you think you've arrived, catch me after the service and I'll, I'll point out 10 or 12 things you can work on, okay? Seriously, we get this idea like we're going to arrive. There's always a next step. That faith step toward joy, toward love. And friends, you have to spend your, your life saying, how can I grow? How can I get better? And at some point, instead of just aiming to, you've got to pull the trigger. Stop procrastinating and just do it. Jump out in faith. And faith is more than just believing. It's more than just thinking about Jesus or talking about Jesus or having an opinion about faith or convictions about Jesus. Faith is action. It's movement. It moves you forward. James 2 says, if people say they have faith but do nothing, their faith is worth nothing. Bartimaeus had no idea Jesus was going to pass his way that day. To him, it was just another miserable day of begging. But God gave him this unexpected opportunity, an opportunity to change his life, to give him a new start. And here's what I believe. I believe when Bartimaeus had that opportunity and he jumped, I think he would tell you when he jumped, he found a wonderful life. The reason why you're here today, right here, right now, is because God's offering you that new start. Friends, don't blow it. Don't miss it. Don't let it pass you by. You are not here by accident. You didn't just stumble in here today. It was such a time as this. You have an opportunity. Right here, right now, 
for a wonderful life that God has planned for you if you just take the step. Let's bow in a word of prayer together. Our holy God, God, we praise you. And God, we thank you. We thank you for new beginnings. And God, I know every single one of us here today, there's some area of our life you would have us change. You'd have us grow. God, I pray that we just take that step. God, I know that we can't make yesterday go away or last year or 20 years ago. But God, I pray that in light of the time we have lived and walked this planet, that Lord, we would, for the things we've messed up, that we just live light, life in light of that, that we would um, make adjustments and changes. God, I pray that you would help us to realize the impact we can have with our lives. God, you are the creator and recreator of all things. We look forward to seeing what you'll do through us and in us this year. It's in Christ's holy name we pray. Amen.